Happy Sunday, Tampa Bay. We're with you for another week here on the Duncan Duo Real Estate Show, talking about the Tampa Bay real estate market like we are every Sunday at 10 a.m. here on WFLA News. And we aren't on air. Make sure to follow us on all of our socials. We are at the Duncan Duo, uh, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, uh, and TikTok. You know, we're 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 starting to figure TikTok out, which is uh, it's not really my thing. I don't personally have a TikTok account. I I just I can't do it. Like. I because honestly, if I do get a personal TikTok account, I will get nothing done. I'll be scrolling through and watching videos of stuff I shouldn't be watching videos of all day long, and I'll be just distracted. So we're we are on all those channels. I'm not personally paying attention to TikTok though. It's just it's too much for me. So, but uh, but Josh uh, Josh Goodwin from Goodwin Mortgage Group. This is his first of many appearances with us here. Uh, on the show, he's going to be our resident mortgage expert and come on every week and talk to us about what is going on uh, in the mortgage market and in the real estate market. So, Josh, happy to have you on the show. This will be a, a good little introduction for you to maybe tell people a little bit about yourself, and then um, we'll get into some nitty-gritty and talking about mortgage rates, which have been uh, kind of on a roller coaster, and we're starting to get some good news there. But tell us a little bit about Josh. Yeah, well, Andrew, thank you so much for the introduction. Um I mean, I'm just a normal guy, you know, yeah. <laughs> put my pants on one leg at a time. But uh, when it comes to mortgage, so yes, I own a branch of a company, Goodwin Mortgage Group. We do mortgages all day, just like you do real estate all day. And uh, yeah, that's about it. We're here in Tampa. You know, we serve all over Florida. We're in other states as well, Colorado, Georgia. But you can't beat sunny Florida here, especially in Tampa. No doubt about it. And so mortgage rates have been... Um you know, they're, they're a topic that I've talked about, you know, nearly in every single show because they drive so much of what we do in our business. And one of the things that we've seen over the last few weeks is, is we've seen kind of a, a, you know, pacing back on rates. We've, we've started to see some rates in the fives again, which is the first time in a long time. And it, it's interesting because we saw rates uh, even in the later part of last year start to drop some, but it didn't seem like. For me, I felt like getting into the fives again was almost like an emotional barrier for people. It felt like when we started to talk about you might be able to get a rate in the fives, that it was like a almost like a wave of people. You know, it, it just knocked some people off the fence. Yeah, that's true. Um, we definitely saw a lot of it. I mean, January first month in, slow towards the end of the year, and it just picked up. You know, yeah, really, really quick. Um, and rates did teeter depending on you know conventional VA FHA what type of loan it is. Right. Some have touched the fives, uh, conventional, depending on really good credit, either high fives or low sixes. But I mean, at one point we were almost touching eights. Right. So this is, so this is a reprieve. Yeah. I mean, I never would have thought I'd say, you know, yeah. hey, that's hey. a really good rate, 6% flat. Right. But exactly. Here we are. But you know what's interesting is so I bought my first house in 2000 and I think it was 2003, 2004. And my rate was in the sixes, and I thought it was a great rate. You know, we got spoiled by Fantasyland. Yep. You know, Fantasyland for the last two years with, Basically, no housing inventory, everything a bidding war, and rates in like the twos and threes. That just isn't the reality of what's going to happen in normal real estate markets. We had Fantasyland, and and so Fantasyland is over, and now we're in reality land. And hey, look, maybe Fantasyland comes back. Maybe we see the threes and the fours again in a few years. But for now, like fives and sixes is is, is much better than eight. Yeah, correct. I mean, affordability wise, and it's it's more of a mental game than anything. When people hear seven percent. 
or they hear 6.875, which is an eighth difference, and depending on your loan, yeah. a very marginal payment difference, it's it's a mental thing. Five just sounds great. It does. You know? Four would sound better. <laughs> yeah, of course. Threes are amazing. You know, but 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 truly, like I think it was an emotional thing. I think there were some people that were kind of sitting back and you know, they'd you'd gone from like the threes to seven, and people were like, man, interest rates doubled. And now that it's not quite double anymore. I think people are starting to get used to this new normal and people still need to move. And, and you know, I tell people all the time, um, you're going to pay the rate, whether you rent or whether you buy. The Correct. difference is if you're paying the rate when you rent, they're just going to increase your rent to cover their cost. And you're, you're buying down their equity. You're not getting any tax benefits. You're not getting into the equity benefits because what we've seen is we're still continuing to see appreciation. You know, prices are still up from a year, a year over a year. Prices are still up. We're still seeing home values um, increase, not at the same pace. And in some neighborhoods, we're seeing some depreciation and some kind of stabilization. But we're certainly not seeing home values with some major drops like we saw during the Great Recession. So people, I think, are getting used to the idea that, you know what, I'm not going to do. I'm not going to have these amazing 30 plus percent appreciation years, but it's still a safer bet than me renting. And paying down the, you know, basically making the landlord rich. And and look, I'm a landlord too. I own rental properties. We represent a lot of investors. Look, I understand we got it. We need tenants too. But if you look at it financially, you're going to pay the rate, whether you're paying it as a renter or whether you're paying it as a buyer. Yeah, no, that's true. I mean, and you say landlords, but one of the biggest ones is the PE firms that own a lot of these oh, rentals they own now. A that, ton. Like Water Street, for example. Right. People are paying seven grand a month for a two bedroom. I know. An apartment, yeah, like and, that they don't and own. I know, and and it's crazy. Like mm -hmm. I see some of the numbers sometimes, and it's just baffling to me. And you know, I could go down a whole a whole slew of things about homeowners associations and you know management companies and all the just the complications that I see from pe people having to deal with these things over the years. And owning your own property is far and above and in a much better situation. Even if you're in an HOA, you at least have a voice. You at least have a say. You can pick where you go. Um, you can pick who you vote for in mm -hmm. the HOA. Um, but but nonetheless, um, there's no doubt that you know when you're an owner, you have more control over the asset. You have more can you have more financial benefits. And even though we've seen you know, over the past century, have we seen years where real estate has dropped in value? Yes, but we've never seen many years where real estate has dropped in value. It always comes back. If you look at seven-year cycles, real estate never loses. You know, it it's just cyclical. it just doesn't. It's it's cyclical. So we may go through periods where we see, you know, home values not appreciate as much as we'd like. Um, uh, you know, as much as maybe they had been a year or two years ago, uh, but they're still appreciating. They're still gaining value. Um, and and they go through cycles. They go through periods of time where, hey, look, we're going to see maybe seven to eight percent appreciation, and then of course there are periods of time where it's you know twenty five or or thirty. So, I think most people are predicting mortgage rates to kind of stabilize and kind of stay in the same space throughout the year. And so, you know, the 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 average consumer, I think psychologically, when they hear that you know some people are getting a rate in the fives, even if they don't get it in the fives, even if theirs is in the sixes. The fact that some people that it's possible to get into the fives is definitely uh, knocking some consumers off the fence. Like, you know, for example, in the uh, third and probably the late part of the third quarter last year and all the fourth quarter, we really didn't see many bidding wars. You know, it was really just kind of one offer, one buyer. We're seeing bidding wars again. I yeah. mean, nowhere near what we saw a year ago and, you know, nine months and a year ago. But but when we put well-priced properties 
in in kind of that wheelhouse price range, we're we're starting to see it again. We're seeing multiple offers, and um, and again, it's it's just a sign that our real estate market is still healthy. And I think one other thing that people don't grasp is how local real estate is. You know, it, it, there are parts of the country that are not going to do as well as we are. We just have population growth. We have people that want to live here. We have people that want sunshine. The winter's been rough for some people. Um, you know, winter here is like 51 degrees and, you know, you got to wear a sweater at Gasparilla. Oh, yeah. you know, that's like, that's like winter for us. Uh, but but in northern states, you know, they've had a rough winter. They want to get out of that. So we keep seeing this. Florida's, you know, number one in population growth. So even if it's slower in other areas, our real estate market is going to be fueled and continue to be fueled by people moving here. People that want to live in Florida. They want our um, you know, economic setup. They want the no state income tax. They want the climate. Um, and truly our prices, even though they've been rising are still very affordable compared to some of the other large, you know, sticker cities, you know, I'm sure you guys deal with it all the time. You get people calling you all the time that are, that are moving here specifically when they compare the price of where they're at to what they get in Florida. Yeah, no, it's true. I mean, we get a lot of northern transplants, um, you know, New Jersey, New York, Connecticut, and even California. And I have to say, they're some of my favorite clients because when they see what the prices were of these homes, they're like, okay, rates six and a half percent. Great. I remember when my parents had an 18. Right. And this house would be double that where I'm from. Exactly. You know, let's so move like, on it right yeah, now. Let's go. Let's yeah. go. And, and interestingly, you mentioned California. And I've said this on the show before because in, in, Prior real estate markets, we never saw California moves. I never saw California license plates. It just didn't happen because there were a lot of similarities between California, California and Florida. They're coastal. They're they're warmer. They don't have snow. They don't, you know, they, they're, they're, again, there's similarities. And so, however, the last few years, we've started to see a lot more of it. In the past, if we saw a California move, it was a PCS. It was a military move. Mm-hmm. Somebody with a permanent change station and they're, they're coming from you know, somewhere in California and they're going to McDill, that was it. Now it's it's a lot more of that. And again, you know, not to get into politics too much, but it was very polarizing the last year. So there are definitely people, we're hearing feedback from people that are saying like they're leaving because it doesn't align with that, their belief system anymore. So there's no question. And certainly there are people doing the same and leaving Florida. We're just, ha- we just happen to get, we're just happen to get more, you know, people coming in than we are leaving. But, but nonetheless, the, the reality is, is that, you know, we see all these people moving here and it will keep Tampa Bay's real estate market healthier than other real estate markets because that population growth will fix some of the obstacles that you might have had had we not continued to get population growth. And I don't want to root for the real estate market to be bad in other areas, but but the reality is, is when it is not as good in other areas, it does prompt people to leave, it prompts people to move. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's a very good point and a very true statement. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're seeing it. I yeah. mean, you know, you, you talk to other people in different markets where people aren't moving there in droves like they are here and they have been for years and, you know, their listings are sitting. Yeah. I mean, I had a client last week, I followed up with my referral partner yesterday. I'm like, Hey, did we get that house? He's like, there was 15 offers, Yeah. multiple offers. And it went back to what you were saying. If it's priced right, it sells. Yeah. And, and so seller advice that you have here, uh, price it right and it will sell. And, and, you know, I think, just kind of a little sidebar here. You know, I don't believe there's a right or wrong way to price a home. We go into the client with the understanding that, hey, look, you can price it above market, below market, at market. 
it's probably it's going to sell at market. The, the market is going to deliver you the price, no matter what price you put it at. If you put it low or aggressive, you get a bidding war and drive it up. If you put it high, you're gonna it's going to take a while, and you're going to end up selling below. If you put it at market, it takes a little bit longer to sell, and you might get an offer or two. So it really does depend on the seller's motivation in terms of what they want. Do they want to force the action and make it happen quickly and be in the driver's seat? Do they want to list at retail and then t- take a normal market cycle before it before it sells? Or do they price it high with the understanding that they're going to have to negotiate down or maybe end up lowering the price? Now, again, that's assuming all realtors are created equal, and we're not. That's assuming that the marketing is done properly because I can't tell you how many times and it's, and it's happening now more than ever because the last few years, we've had a lot of real estate agents get into the business, the you know get-rich-quick scheme. It's hot, so I'm going to jump in and make all kinds of money. And they really don't know how to handle a market like this. They're used to a hot market. So we're going to, we're actually going to, we're going to jump to a break. We're actually going to continue talking about that because I know you guys deal with it too. So we're going to be back after a quick break here on the Duncan Duo show. So we're back here on the Duncan Duo real estate show talking about the Tampa Bay real estate market. I've got Josh Goodwin from Goodwin Mortgage Group with us. Again, that is Goodwin Mortgage Group, the number one mortgage company on uh, Tampa Magazine. You guys, you guys were number one. That was, that was a pretty cool thing that you guys, that you guys won. Um, so congratulations on that. Yeah, no, that was uh, that was a true honor to even be nominated and uh, to see all the, you know, people that really root for us and all yeah, the love out awesome. there was wonderful. It's interesting. So like when I decided to talk to my team, um, you know, we were looking for a new mortgage partner. We were looking for somebody to come on the show. And, you know, I always, you know, go to my people because they have experience. They, they've worked with people. We've worked with other mortgage companies and we knew we needed to make a change. And, and so... Um, you know, I reached out and said, hey, who have you had a good experience with? And time and again, multiple, multiple people raised their hand and said, you guys did a great job with another client and uh, or they'd worked with you at another company. And and so when we met and, and I talked to two or three other mortgage companies, it's like, now nah, this is this is a this is the fit for us. So happy to have you on. And, you know, we were talking before the break about, you know, home sellers and real estate agents that are not experienced in a market like this. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of real estate agents that only know a hot market. They don't know what to do when it when it shifts a little bit. And it's not as if we're talking about a slow real estate market. We're not. We're still a very healthy real estate market. It's just we're not a 22, 20, 2021 or 22 real estate market anymore. We're probably comparable to 18 or 19, which was an incredible real estate year. In fact, it was a record-breaking year for me. So the reality is, is that there are a lot of agents that don't, you know, that don't know how to adapt to what's going on. And they were able to sell a home with lazy marketing, bad photos, a bad description, the school district's not right, um, you know, no to, no video or 3D tour. You know, they were able to do that when the market was hotter. And now I think the consumer is going to start to look for the best. They're going to want to make sure all those boxes get checked because those are little areas when, you know, and look, are there still bidding wars? Yes. But are they the norm like they were a year ago? No. And so you have to look for an agent that's going to sell your property, that's going to check off all those boxes, that isn't going to cut corners, that doesn't that doesn't need to cut corners because they need to they need more money. They need more money out of the deal because they are not doing as many deals because the transaction counts down. And so um, what ends up happening and what's happened in prior markets, you know, this is my you know 18th year, uh, and in prior markets, you, when you have these big ramp ups, a lot of people jump into the business that eventually get out. You know, NAR is expecting 30% of realtors to be out of the business in the next year, um, and 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 so those agents don't have the tools or skills to be able to coach a client and give them the right pricing advice 
when they need to make adjustments, when the market isn't as healthy. And the corners they were cutting when the market was crazy hot and still homes were still selling can't be cut anymore. They've got to invest the money in those things. They've got to have great photography. They've got to have videos. They've got to have Matterport tours. They've got to have easy access to the house. They've got to give the client staging advice. They've, they, they've got to do all of these things in order to facilitate the sale that they didn't have to do. So I'm getting way more sellers calling us with homes that are failing to sell or that failed to sell than we've gotten in a long time. And so the advice I have to a lot of those people is number one, um, maybe you need a change, you know, and, and, you know, certainly that's the case um, in a lot of instances is they've been kind of misguided and, and they need to make a change. They need to, um, you know, they need to move on. Uh, sometimes, however, though, the seller needs to look within and say, what can I do better to help this home be more marketable? What can I clean up around the house? Mm -hmm. Um, you know, what, what can I do with the price is my, is my price the issue? Did I not listen to their advice because I've heard years of fantasy land pricing and I argued back against the agent's recommended price. So sometimes it's the agent, sometimes it's the seller, but regardless, when the market shifts, you've got to pivot with it and both the seller and the agent have got to make adjustments. And so some agents will, some agents won't. Um, and same thing, some sellers will, some sellers won't. But we are seeing more people calling us and saying, hey, look, we need the pro now. We retried our uncle's brother's cousin's friend. You guys do with yeah, those you, gotta you guys love those. You guys got, <laughs> but you got it in the mortgage business too. Like, oh, my uncle's brother's friend's a mortgage broker. Yeah. You know, because they jumped in when it was hot, right? Mm -hmm. 10 years ago. Yeah. yeah. We all have that. Yeah. Uh, but to add to that, which is, you know, really interesting, you said whether it's bad advice or whatnot, I think during this crazy time, you know, sellers were, you know, everyone was saying, we need to sell our property, we need to sell our property. And, you know, an agent says, we need to list it at this. And they say, no, it needs to be higher. And they get that price. They tell their friend and their friend tells you, hey, Andrew, um, my friend had yeah. this situation. And, and now the price he is was higher. right. Yeah. Right. So then they start to think that. And, and yes, maybe that was right six months ago. But we had, I mean, literally when the interest rates skyrocketed, the whole world changed for Correct. real estate. Like the Correct. whole pair, it was a complete paradigm shift that you know, what your neighbor did six months ago is literally completely irrelevant now. Like it, it, it's irrelevant. Like I even got to the point where with pricing, I didn't want to comp stuff that sold prior to the to the interest rate change because it, it just drastically changed Correct. everything. So you've got to get in front of that trend, um, you know, when, when the market shifts. And look, I looked at the stats this week. We're not in some sort of crazy bad real estate market. We went from having one month of inventory the three months of inventory. That's still still low. A really, really low inventory. Yeah. Okay. We went from, you know, thirty five hundred sales a month to three thousand sales a month. We lost about fifteen percent of, of our of our sales, you know, that are happening. Prices went from twenty seven percent appreciation to thirteen percent appreciation, but still appreciation. You know, so again, we're not in a bad real estate market. It's just stabilizing, it's healthy. It's not as fantasy land as it was two years ago. And and realistically, as time passes and this becomes the new norm, fantasy land will get out of people's mind. But unfortunately, there are some people still with the fantasy land mentality and it just isn't out there anymore. So we're going to continue this conversation about the Tampa Bay real estate market with Goodwin Mortgage Group's Josh Goodwin after a quick break here on the Duncan Duo Show. So we're back here on the Duncan Duo Real Estate Show talking about the Tampa Bay real estate market when we aren't on air Make sure to follow us on all of our socials at The Duncan Duo. I have a really cool new home value system that I'm rolling out. If you are a uh, someone considering selling your property this year or thinking about what your home value is, 
just hit up DuncanDuo.com. Again, that's DuncanDuo.com. There's a little widget there. You type in your address. You go through the process. Sends you a report on your home's value. Very interactive. And a new company that hasn't that no one else in Tampa Bay has used yet. And uh, really excited about um, about our partnership with them. So if you're curious at our opinion of your home's value to compare it to you know other sources, uh, make sure again to check us out at DuncanDuo.com. So Real estate agents, you know, I talked before, we're going to see a lot of them get out of business. You know, they're, we're, going to, we're expecting to see a 30% drop in the number of agents uh, in, in the business. However, there are going to still be people saying, you know what, I want to get into real estate or I want to change companies. During the Great Recession, my company grew 50 plus percent a year right after that, simply because agents wanted to keep being agents, but they realized marketing got too expensive and hard. They couldn't generate the business themselves. They couldn't rely solely on their sphere. And, and we're seeing the same thing now because in two and, with 2 and 3% interest rates, everybody was a home buyer or seller. Mm-hmm. When 2 or 3% interest, rate, interest rates aren't around anymore, the buyer pool shrinks dramatically and everyone in your family isn't a, a buyer or an investor at this point. So you, you really have to have a strategy for how you're going to generate business. So what we find is that because of our marketing reach and the millions of dollars we've spent on lead generation – we become an attractive um, place for real estate agents that say, okay, I've been doing this on my own. I've been doing okay or, or pretty well, but now I'm struggling because the market's changed and the, what I need to say has changed. The scripts have changed. The accountability I, I don't have. Um, and, I, and I'm not generating business from you know my Instagram posts and my, you know, my friends aren't buying anymore. And so we end up becoming this attractive place for agents that want to go somewhere that can provide those things that can generate the leads for them. And so, you know, we're obviously not the right fit for everybody, but we are growing. We've added 12 agents in the last three months to our company, and we're getting applicants every day saying, hey, look, I I want to stay in real estate, but I need help. And where I'm at isn't the right place because our model is very much around training, coaching, accountability. We generate a massive amount of leads, and, and that's our structure. And we hold the agents accountable because different than a typical brokerage, that brokerage doesn't really have any money invested in in that agent. If that agent produces, great. They pay their small ancillary monthly fee to cover some costs. If that agent produces, great. We'll help them produce more because we, you know, we we do you know we do okay with them, but they're not putting up capital. In my business model, I'm spending 200 grand a month on lead generation and advertising. And if my agents don't convert leads, I'm losing money. Not just not just not getting the upside, but I, I'm at, it's actually a loss. So for us, we really do want to make sure that we coach and teach agents in order to allow them to produce at a high level or it doesn't make sense for us. But because of that accountability and structure, we're an attractive place for the agents that did okay through the hot market and are now struggling. So I would imagine you're seeing the same thing. You're seeing agents that were probably you know doing a good you know, 8, 10, 12 deals and making the income they needed. And now when you cut that in half and their income's below the poverty level, and and th- there are a lot of real estate companies out there that have two and three and 400 agents that really don't get one-on-one with their people. You know, they're not drilling down. They don't have a, they don't have a mentor or they have a mentor that's never really achieved much. You know, like I see that a lot, like the, the productivity coach and you look up and their best year, they did 11 sales. It's like, why are they the productivity coach? Cause they're the only person that would take the job. Yep. So at our company, you know, our productivity coach, our director of uh, agent growth, uh, Don, uh, in his best year, he did 111 sales as an agent on a team. That's 
killing it. That's big, yeah. That's killing it. For an, so, for an agent. Yeah, yeah. So so he knows how to help people produce at a high level. He's done it at a high level. And obviously, we've got a system that's done it at a high level. But I'm sure you're seeing, again, you've got agents that are saying, I, I don't know if I'm making it. I might have to get a job. I'm not producing. I don't know how to generate the business. Because it has gotten harder and harder and more scientific to be able to generate the leads, you know? Yeah, no, we, we've seen it. I mean, not too much on our end, luckily, but, you know, I speak to a lot of different people in the industry, some friends, colleagues of mine, and, you know, their business has been cut down drastically because a lot of their referral partners are no longer sending them business. And they're saying exactly what you just said. Hey, I you know need to get another job. And a lot of them are looking to teams, you know, with that structure, with that accountability yep. and, you know, how to get things done. Yeah. And, and the training, the coaching, um, and I think just a tried and true track record, there are a lot of real estate companies that have popped up in the last few years that only know a hot market. I've been through them all. Yeah. I got the scars and the war wounds from, from the Great Recession, baby. I, I remember the blueprint for what we did, and I'm right back to that blueprint. I'm following that blueprint to a T, and it's working. Like, you know, we're, uh, we're, we're definitely going to have a better year than last year, massively better just from the start that we've already seen. Um, and, and I think that you know, we want to be a place for real estate agents to go that want to stay in, that want to be part of a great company and culture, that want to have that, uh, but also that want to do a lot of sales, that want to produce, that want to, you know, that want to make a lot of money. So if you're a real estate agent, you're struggling, you're thinking about a change, or you're someone that's just simply, you know what, I'm, I'm ready to get into the business now, hit us up, jointheduo.com. That is the place where you can apply for any of our open positions. You can also register for our career night where it's a uh, you know, it's on Zoom. It's an informational only session. No pressure. We're not, it's not like a timeshare presentation. Where we're forcing you, hey, come in and sign here. I mean, we want people that want to join us. We're not, we're not trying to convince you of, of that. We're wanting to show you all the tools that we have and then allow you to make a choice. You can, uh, you can do that again at jointheduo.com. Our career night is the second Tuesday of every month. And if you fill out that form or you apply, you'll be reached out to directly from Don. And, uh, you know, we, we have, we've, we've had a lot of agents come over, um, and already jump right into production. And the issue was that they were, they were not really being coached individually about how to sell. They were just, you know, they were, they were getting low hanging fruit from their sphere of influence. They didn't know how to generate the business. They didn't know how to do this. They didn't know how to do that. And, um, you know, the, a lot of places will teach classes in theory, like, Hey, here's what we tell you to do. Um, we're actually showing you what we do, you know, like we're saying, here's what we do. And I think there's a lot of people, there are a lot of agents that have joined me. If I look at the top 50 list of real estate agents in Tampa, I'm proud that there's a bunch of people on that list that work for me, you know, that, that came in and learned how to run a business. They worked for me for two or three years. And then they said, you know what, I now, I want to do that. I want to be the leader. I'm going to go out and run my own team now. And so, you know, we're definitely a great place for people to come and say, you know what, maybe I haven't been taught how to run a team. Maybe I want to run a team someday. I mean, what better way to learn than, you know, from the best come learn from the top team, you know? And and so there are plenty of people that that's their motive coming and working for us for two or three years and they learn how to go out and run their own business. And so, you know, we're a great opportunity for that too. So again, it is join the duo.com. That's jointheduo.com. Josh, as a mortgage lender, I'm sure you see this every day with real estate agents too. What advice would you have for some of the agents out there that are that are maybe coming up against a struggle or that simply are maybe they're doing well, but they need to pivot and they need to keep staying in front of these trends? What are some advice you have for real estate agents out there to keep being productive um, and, and keep making the income they need to make with what with, with the changes that's happening in the market? 
Um, I, I think, honestly, the biggest piece of advice and a lesson that everyone can go by, no matter what business you're in, but especially right now for, for realtors, is knowing when you need that help, Yeah. right? And I, I, I stick to this with anything is training and accountability. If you can get that in an organization, that's more than 80% of the battle. Yeah. That is what gets you. When you have real-world experience that you can learn from and people can teach you, that is the best thing to do right now. Yeah. Now, if you can't get it where you are, obviously a change is something you should look at. But, you know, only you know as yeah. a person if yeah. you can do this or if you can't. Yeah. And if you actually need that help from other people. Yeah. And and I think taking action on that. You know, taking action, saying, you know what, I know I need to make a change. And so, again, we'd love the opportunity. If you want to make a change, hit us up at jointheduo.com and Don will reach out for a confidential consultation. Um, you know, we had somebody say, oh, I don't want my, you know, people to find out. It's like, mm-hmm. we're not, I mean, what do you think we're doing? You think we're going on Instagram and be like, hey, we talked to so-and-so. No, like it's confidential. One other thing that I think is really important right now too, know your partners, know your referral partners. Yeah. You know, on the mortgage side of things, um, when our agents don't do a good enough job of doing everything they can to to recommend to that client to get a second opinion and to talk to a local, you know, one of our local preferred lenders, there's a much lower cancellation rate when they're working with one of our lenders, There's a much smoother process um, and a much more likelihood for a happy client and a closing when when we can encourage them to get a second opinion. And so similarly, um, you know, there are agents out there right now that maybe didn't push as hard for their preferred lender and for that relationship. And they let an online lender do a deal and then it gets canceled and blown up and. There's just so much good that comes from the ability to know who you're working with and to have a good working relationship between the mortgage uh, professional and the real estate agent. And it isn't just about the money or the cost. Um, you guys are super competitive. You're going to be able to match and beat, do, do all these things with, with all the other companies. But it's really more the experience, the ability to, to, to know that you want that client for life, whereas that online lender in Connecticut really doesn't care about them and they're just a transaction. And to you, it's a relationship and you want them to keep coming back. So you're going to do an even better job than someone else. So I think that's a really key thing right now is real estate agents really leaning on your, your, your lenders to, to do a great job. Yeah, no, I agree. And it's funny because, you know, you have the clients that say, why are you pushing this lender so hard? Are you getting paid for this? Right. And the best way I can explain it to them is, you know, do you trust someone? Yeah. You know, okay. I trust my dad. Well, I listen to what he has to say. Okay. Well, they trust me the same way. Right. Because they know that your life is going to be a little bit easier during this transaction. So there's every single time. Yeah. And, and similarly, that's, you're right. They, they don't understand it because they're not in the business, but it would kind of be like a surgeon being like, Oh sure. Client, go ahead and bring your own physician assistant in while I operate. Yeah, exactly. But I don't know who they are. You know, uh, I'm an attorney. I'm going to represent you in your divorce. You could bring your own paralegal. Yeah, no problem. (laughs) Bring your own paralegal over and we'll figure it out. Like it doesn't, that's, you know, the reason why the real estate agent is encouraging you to talk to their lender is because of that working relationship, that ability to problem solve, that ability to communicate that they know from a track record, the company that you're bringing in may not have a great track record at that. They may have had a bad experience and they know that person's going to vanish like a ghost when there's problems in the transaction, like there inevitably will be. Real estate has a lot of obstacles to overcome to get to the closing table. And, you know, there, there are plenty of people that are great at problem solving and there are plenty of people that aren't. And when you have a working relationship, realistically, it is to your benefit. It's, you know, we're not doing it for self-interest. We're not doing it, you know, to, to make you know, to, 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 to get paid by you. We're doing it 
because it's in their best interest to get them to the closing table and accomplish the goal that they set out to accomplish. But but like I said, I mean, it, it's funny. Real estate's so weird like that. You'd never have somebody come in and say, well, I'm going to have my paralegal be, help you, Mr. Attorney, or I'm going to have my uh, physician's assistant yeah. you know, come <laughs> in. But that's really like the relationship with the mortgage professional and the real estate agent. But people don't think of it like that. I, I literally had a doctor one time, and that's what I told him. You know, we, we had a... We had a situation where he had his own lender and we were telling him to use ours. And I said, well, let me ask you something. If you were going to operate on somebody, would you let somebody bring in their own physician's assistant? You know, you never worked with them before. You didn't trust them. And they're going to be operating that scalpel. I mean, are you really going to believe that, that that's going to work? And he's like, okay, good point. Let me yeah. call your guy. Yeah. <laughs> and from that point forward, it was a great relationship. They've done like seven transactions with us. And so anyway, it, it really does matter. Make sure you listen to your agent on their lender recommendation. Get a second. Look, a second opinion isn't going to hurt anyone. So anyway, we'll be back. We're going to wrap up with our last segment after a quick break here on the Duncan Duo Real Estate Show. So back here on the Duncan Duo Show talking about the Tampa Bay real estate market. Andrew Duncan of the Duncan Duo with Josh Goodwin from Goodwin Mortgage Group. And I want to talk next about the luxury real estate market. And I think in Tampa, luxury, it's different everywhere else. But but to me, luxury is probably about a million bucks and above, maybe a little bit lower than that, depending on the part of town, but but probably in that range. And so I, I looked at a stat recently and we continue to see more than 100 sales every month that are over a million dollars in Tampa Bay. Man, I can remember back a decade ago where you might have a handful of sales above a million dollars in a month. So our luxury market is still doing incredibly well. We're getting executives and CEOs and business owners from other parts of the country that COVID proved to them they could run their businesses remotely and they're moving here because they don't want to pay state income tax or because it's affordable or because they can get a waterfront place here and they couldn't where they live. And so nonetheless, um, the luxury market has continued to be really healthy. I mean, right now we presently have multiple um, clients doing more than $5 million transactions, both buyers and sellers. Um, You know, so the luxury market is incredibly hot still. And so the reality is, is that the mortgage process, though, for a high net worth person is different than it's going to be for a typical person. These are loans that are not Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac. They're not government backed. There's a much different process and a, a, a much different um, you know, setup in terms of getting all the financial information. And if you're a business owner and you write off a lot of stuff and you want to buy a million dollar home, maybe your income doesn't qualify if you write off too much. And so a lot of people buying seven figures are cash, but the ones that aren't, what would be some advice that you have to, you know, people that are going to get a mortgage and buy a seven figure home and are a business owner? Um, I mean, the biggest piece is making sure all your financials are in place. Like you said, you know, with tax returns, because a lot of our, you know, clients that are buying multi-million dollar homes, most of the time they're self-employed, right? Yeah. I'd say over 60% of the time. But it's making sure you're aligned with the right people. So for a lot of those that are moving to Florida from different states, they might not have CPAs, financial advisors. We spend a lot of our time with our high net worth clients speaking to their CPAs on how they're going to file their tax returns for the following year to yeah. make sure they're approved. You know, Not telling them what to do because we're not allowed to do that, right, obviously. Right, right. But when they say, hey, we're going to show this much income, okay, that looks great. So it's, you know, we almost act as a, a consultant between the client and their accountant to make sure that they're going to be in a good position to purchase the home. Because that they if truly they want. write off too much, even if they have plenty of money in the bank and their income looks too low, their debt to income, they may have to put up a lot more cash or they may Correct. not qualify. So, so again, you know, I've had clients say, you know, I've got 
millions of dollars in the bank. It's like, but your income only shows 80 grand. Yeah. It's like, you know, you have to like, you've got to understand that like, that's what they're going to look at. You're, you're going to have to probably put up more cash than you'd like to do. And you want your cash somewhere else because you can get a better return. So it really is a process where when you're working with a, with a high net worth individual to, to, to buy luxury real estate and also to sell just because different tax things with, when you're selling people's homes that have you know, less than five, a married couple, less than 500, single person, less than 250 equity. There's not really a lot of tax complications. When you get above those numbers, they start to look at all these creative different things they can do with the the tax, the gains, you know? So there's, there's a lot of that that comes in, whereas the real estate agent and as the mortgage person, you're the conduit between all the other professionals to make sure that one of those professionals that's also giving them great advice in that particular lane of what they do doesn't hurt them in another lane of something else they're trying to accomplish. Correct. Yeah. It's it's all about knowing, you know, knowing your position to help that client. Um, and for, you know, just to touch on the mortgage side and not confuse people too much, guidelines, like you said, for a regular conventional loan, you know, under 726, 200 loan amount, yep. they're very cut and dry, very simple. But when you get into a jumbo loan, depending on how much they're putting down or what their debt to income ratio might be, they may need six months reserves per property that they own. Right. And on a conventional loan, you only need one month or none. Right. So it's key that the mortgage professional knows that information because deals can go sideways really and, quick. And here's another thing that I think is important, too, on that same token. A lot of high net worth entrepreneurs and luxury home buyers, they're very driven. They're very good at what they do. And they're they're kind of no nonsense, you know, kind of straight to the point type people because they have so many different things they're juggling. Um, be prepared to provide a lot of information and answer a lot of questions. They, yeah. they, we find sometimes our luxury clients get very offended. Correct. When someone questions, you know, they're, they're like, I can pay cash for this thing. It's like, we know, like, so be prepared for a lot of questions because the lenders today don't do make the mistakes they did, you know, years ago when the liar loans existed and, oh yeah, we take your word for it that you had that much money. You're going to have to prove everything in that application. You're going to have to prove with bank statements. You're going to have to show a chain of money. If large transactions are happening, you know, money going in, money going out, you're going to have to document and explain. So as someone who's not used to having someone question them about their money, if they're going to get a mortgage, they're going to have to deal with a lot of that. So just be prepared to be frustrated. And it's not that they're not trusting you or believing you. They're simply having to check these boxes to ensure that the lender, you know, that, that people are satisfied with their ability to, to pay the mortgage. Even if they've got all the money in the bank in the world, sometimes it's in a different entity. Sometimes it's in a company that they can't touch. Sometimes it's in a trust. And so all those things have to get explained and documented because you may think, oh, that's my money. Well, no, actually, it's the company's money. Actually, that's the trust's money, but I'm the trustee. Okay, I get that. We got to document it, you know? Yeah. So it's, it can be more complex. Yeah, and I've seen a lot of that, and that's the biggest way to get around that from day one, just education. Yeah. Let me walk you through this. I mean, and we've had at times where we speak to somebody's assistant yeah, or their accountant directly, and hey, they're going to send everything to you. But yeah, those uh, those conversations can get pretty heated. Because they get very offended. It's <laughs> yeah. like, look, we be- we know, I know that you can afford this. We're just proving that. This person is, you know, an a underwriter and processor that processes documents and looks at paperwork and they need a paper trail. And that's just, you know, that's just the way it works, you know, like so. Well, anyway, we appreciate you tuning in. We hope you had an awesome Gasparilla weekend. You're probably recovering right now. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll see you here next Sunday at 10 o'clock and have an awesome rest of your weekend, Tampa Bay.